good to see everyone this morning. We were in John 12, and you know, you read things several times, and different things will stand out at different points, but this morning, this image of the, the grain of wheat stood out to me uh, in, a, in a fresh way, and I just thought I'd just share that with you all. John 12, verse 23. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. And then he says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. But Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. I was thinking this morning how amazing that the Lord Jesus did not need to go to the cross. He didn't... There's nothing in Him that was lacking. From all eternity, He existed with the Father and with the Spirit in perfect union and love. Nothing was lacking. To say that something was lacking would imply that God was somehow incomplete in Himself. So we know that He didn't create the world out of some kind of a lack. He did it out of pure love. He existed for all eternity in perfect love. And the only reason He brought anything else into existence was to share that love. He wasn't lonely. He wasn't bored. Oh, I wish I had some toys to play with, so I'll make some toys to play with them. He was fully satisfied. And so the creation was an expression of perfect divine love. It's as if he wanted to, as if he was saying, the only thing missing here is someone to share that love with. In other words, I already am sharing the love. God, we know, is three in one. So for all eternity, the love was being perfectly shared among the three persons of the Trinity. And so God says, I want to bring others into that circle of fellowship. And so he creates the worlds. But of course, everything is mired by sin. The will of God is uh, damaged by Adam asserting his own will, basically saying, I don't care why I was created. I have my own agenda following the Satan's lies. But even in the Lord's coming, what a gracious expression of perfect divine love. 
the Lord Jesus didn't go to the cross to fulfill something that was missing in Himself. He was perfect the way He was. He was like that grain of wheat that is already harvested and safe in the barn. In other words, that's the end goal. When you're growing wheat, that's the end goal, is that little kernel of wheat. And it, Jesus was already there. In other words, He was already perfect. And He technically could have, like it says here, abided alone or remained alone. If He didn't go into death, He would have been fine the way He was. You know, it seems like Philip and Andrew were wanting Him to manifest Himself and show Himself to these Greek visitors who came into Jerusalem at the time. It seems like they were saying, okay, Lord, now's the time. Uh, give us a show. You know, show yourself to be the Messiah. And Jesus, I think, could have, of course, it's silly to think about hypotheticals, what could have happened, if, because we know that God's purposes were always laid out in this way. But technically, he could have brought in, oh, yeah, I'm, I am a ruler and I'm the king. And he, you know, the, the crowd long wanted to crown Jesus as their king. But if he had, he would have still just remained that kernel of wheat alone. Alone in his perfection, alone in his holiness, and alone in his intimate relationship with the Father. But he said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go into the ground, into death, so that I might bear much fruit, so that I might bring many with me into this life. You know, in a way, what he says in verse 30 could be summed up, could sum up his entire ministry, life, death, and everything. This was not done for my sake, but for your sake. You know, when the Father spoke from heaven, He wasn't giving Jesus encouragement. Oh, you can do this. He didn't need that. It was the crowd that needed to hear it. But in a sense, this in a nutshell sums up everything. Jesus didn't need to live a perfect life. He didn't need to do all these signs and miracles. He didn't need to ultimately go to the cross and die to somehow be perfected. I know there's a teaching that says he learned obedience through his sufferings, and so in that way, he was, you might say, improved upon, or he somehow was perfected. This is an old heresy from early in Christianity. There was nothing lacking in Jesus. He didn't need Calvary. So what does that mean for us? I thought we could just think about what does that mean for us who call ourselves Christian, followers of Christ. Uh, Using the language of this passage, we might call ourselves His servants, the servants of the Lord. Those whom the the Lord will turn and say, I call you friends. What does it mean for people like us? Jesus says, whoever loves his life will lose it. It's like Jesus is saying, imitate me. Don't simply be satisfied with your own perfection, with your own satisfaction. It's only when you lay down your life for others that you truly 
begin to live. Because he says, he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What does that mean? He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. The person who hates his life in this world is not the person who's like, oh, I hate my life. My life is so miserable. That's not what it... Sometimes that's how we hate our life. I've got a lousy life. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. What he's saying is, the person who sets aside his pursuit of the, quote, good life for the sake of others. That's the person who hates his life in this world. It's the person who says, I am not going to live simply to live my best life now. I'm not going to make my decisions based on what gives me the most satisfaction now. The person who does that is basically hating his life in this world. And the only reason someone would do that is because he believes in another world. The only reason he would do that is because he knows that it's on the other side of death where things really begin. And I think as followers of Christ, we can take this example. We can be, in a sense, like that kernel of wheat laying down our life, moment by moment, decision by decision. I mean, it doesn't have to be some kind of a big thing where I dive in front of a, a speeding bullet to save somebody's life. That's not what it has to mean. It means... You know, giving somebody else the remote. You know, you could choose the show for today. You know what I mean? That's dying to ourself. You know, um, letting others decide what's for dinner tonight. You know? But in, in slightly bigger ways too. Not simply worrying about how we're going to celebrate the holidays in my family, but how can, this, how can our blessings overflow to the people around me that don't have the kind of love or wealth or comforts that I'm enjoying. That's the person who, as Jesus says here, hates his life in this world. We don't hate it, but compared to our life in the next world, it's almost as if we're hating it. We're not storing up treasures for ourselves. We're not just concerned with getting by for ourselves. And in that way, we follow our Savior. He too didn't look around and say, well, I'm doing pretty well. So I might as well just continue on the path I'm on. He didn't look to himself. In fact, he looked to others. In the next chapter, we know it says that Jesus, he knew everything. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. In other words, he knew he was perfect, complete in the way he was. Knowing all that, he set aside his garment and took up the garment of a servant and washed his disciples' feet. So this can be our pattern as well. May we take the opportunity to die to ourselves, to show the love of Christ that we've received, to show that to others, to become a blessing to others instead of simply being satisfied by being blessed by God. This is, I guess, a a few thoughts for us to meditate on as we have the Lord's uh, sufferings before us here on the cross. We can think, how can I let that transform my life, transform my attitude towards my daily decisions for His glory and namesake. Amen.